Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Matthew, chapter 8. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. We actually began a study some time ago in the Gospel of Matthew, and we've been doing a verse-by-verse study, and I gave you an outline. Let me give you it again. In Matthew chapter 1 through 4, we see the person of the kingdom, the person of the kingdom, and that will be, you guessed it, Jesus. And it's Matthew's point to show us, to point out to us there in chapter 1 that Jesus is the son of David. That Jesus is royally connected to the line of David. And not only is Jesus royally connected to David in the lineage of David, but he is also the promised seed of Abraham. That's very important. He's the promised seed of Abraham. Therefore, he's related to Abraham racially. So we can see in Matthew chapter 1 through chapter 4 that Jesus is the son of David royally and the promised seed of Abraham racially. And therefore, Matthew is telling any Jew who would read chapter or the gospel of Matthew, period, but specifically reading these chapters, that Jesus has a right to reign on the throne as king. That's his point there in chapter 1. And we looked at that over the last several months. And then we moved on to chapter 5. Not only the person of the kingdom, but the principles of the kingdom. And we see the Sermon on the Mount. We've talked about the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for there shall be the kingdom of God. And the Beatitudes, we talked about that in chapter 5. And then in chapter 6, we saw the priority of prayer. The priority of prayer. See, I'm giving you a lot of P's here. The person of the kingdom, the principles of the kingdom, and the priority of prayer, we find that in chapter 6 as Jesus gave us the model prayer. Now remember, the model prayer isn't the Lord's prayer. The Lord's prayer is found in John chapter 17. Got a pen? Get get it out because you're going to need to take some notes today. John chapter 17 is the Lord's prayer. Matthew chapter 6 is the model prayer. And Jesus is giving us the priority of prayer in chapter 6. And then in chapter 7, Jesus starts talking to us about the problem. The problem with worry. The problem with being anxious. And needless to say, we sold a lot of CDs and a lot of tapes on that day. Because there's a lot of people worried and there's a lot of people anxious. And Jesus says, don't worry and don't be anxious. Not only the problem of worry, but also the problem of judgmentalism. Don't be so quick to judge. Don't judge other people. And so we've heard a lot of preaching so far in chapters 1 through 7. A lot of preaching on the person, the principles, the priority of prayer, and the problem. And now, here in chapter 8, we move on to the power. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm ready for some power. I'm ready for some action. Nothing like some action. 
And so here in chapter eight, we move on to the power, some action. Now, understand, Jesus in chapter seven has just come down from the mountain. He had been preaching to the multitudes or preaching to his disciples. He comes down from the mountain and meets a multitude of people, almost thousands of people. And they're all gathered around Jesus at the bottom of the mountain in chapter seven. And then we move on in chapter eight, this leper comes through the crowd. And you know, we talked about it the last time when lepers came six feet within distance of people, the leper had to cry, unclean, unclean, unclean. And when the leper cried, unclean, 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 people would scatter and people would run away from the leper because they didn't want to be touched by leprosy. Everyone left except one man, Jesus. Jesus stayed there. And the leper came to Jesus in humility and in faith and in reverence. And he said, Jesus, if it's your will, then make me clean. Lord, if it doesn't mess up some cosmic plan and some cosmic purpose in my life, some purpose that you have for me, God, then make me clean. And the Bible says, beautiful, read it in your own time, chapter 8, Jesus touched him. Ah, that's important. Jesus touched him. No one else would touch him. When's the last time he received a touch? From his wife? Not in a long time. From his children? Not in a long time. But the Bible says Jesus touched him. We talked about that last time, touching the untouchable. And so Jesus comes down from the mountain. Stay with me. He comes down from the mountain and he begins to minister to three low in society's eyes, three groups of people who are considered low people, low class in society. Coming down from preaching the greatest revolutionary sermon ever to land on the ears of men, Jesus comes down and notice he doesn't start ministering to the rich and the famous and the influential. He doesn't start ministering to people who, you know, are important. He starts to minister to people who are considered low caste in that society, a leper, a Gentile and a woman. Last week we talked about the leper. This week we're going to talk about the power that is poured out not only on the leper, but also on the Gentile and also on a woman. Interesting. Matthew chapter 8, beginning in verse 5. Saints, if you're there, say amen. Oh, that was weak, you guys. In Matthew chapter 8, if you're there, say amen. Now when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a certain centurion came to him pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed and dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, underline this, would you? I will come and heal him. I like that. The centurion answered and he said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof. Notice the humility of this man, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. And when Jesus heard it, he marveled, circle that, and said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. And I say to you that many will come, circle that from the east and from the west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom, circle that, will be cast out into outer darkness. And it's in outer darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. He's talking about hell. 
Then Jesus said to the centurion, go your way, and as soon as you have believed, so, and as you have believed, so let it be done for you. And his servant was healed that same hour. I love that. You see, when Jesus heals people, it's always immediate. None of this, you know, go to the doctor and get some medication over the course of three months, you'll get totally healed. No, 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 no. When Jesus heals, just like that. Servant was healed in that same hour. Now, in verse 14, when Jesus had come to Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother lying sick with a fever. And so he touched her hand and the fever left her and she arose and served them. When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word, and healed, circle this, all who were sick. Why? That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, Isaiah 53, he himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. Now stop right there, give me your attention. After cleansing the leper... Jesus moves from the country to the city and he enters the town of Capernaum. And it's there in Capernaum, or Capernaum, some people pronounce it, where a centurion came to Jesus on behalf of his servant and said, Lord, I have a servant who is sick. Lord, would you heal him? Last week I told you that This week, I wanted to talk to you a bit about healing. Because in the church today, I don't know about you, but as soon as you say the word healing or you speak this phrase, supernatural healing, all kinds of images and different images come in the minds of people. And oftentimes these images and these thoughts come in the minds of people from what they have previously seen on TV or what they have experienced. But what we see in the church, I have got to say in all truth and honesty and as your pastor, what we are seeing in the church in the name of healing, in the name of supernatural spiritual healing is awful. And the church is receiving a black eye in the eyes of the world because of what we are displaying as God's people in especially in the area of healing. It's terrible. Now, let me just go on record to say early out the gate, I believe the Bible teaches that people, that God supernaturally heals people. I believe in healing. I supernatural healing, not just healing, because your immune system healing you, that's healing. And that's God, by the way. And, and, and death is healing, too. He never thought about it like that, right? But if you die, you're healed, okay? But I believe that God can touch people because the Bible teaches it. God can touch people and heal them instantly. I believe that. I have seen that. I have seen people healed instantly. But what we are seeing in the church today is, I think, a, a mockery in terms of this area of supernatural healing. What we're hearing in the church today, we hear a lot about being slain in the spirit. We hear a lot about that, of being slain in the spirit. And they say that when you're slain in the spirit, you know, you 
fall out. If, if you've heard of the slain in the spirit, then raise your hand, would you? That will tell me. Okay, that's a good number of you. Then you know what's taught is that God, somehow you're slain in the spirit. And when you're out unconscious or kind of in a trance or something, that God speaks to you or God heals you or all these kinds of things. Let me just tell you, in love, let me just tell you what the Bible says. The Bible does not teach being slain in the spirit. Matter of fact, the Bible doesn't teach. Well, let me just go one step further here. The Bible doesn't teach being slain in the spirit. The Bible does teach being slain by the spirit. Example, Acts chapter five. You know the story? Don't look it up now. Look it up in your own time. Acts chapter 5, we have this husband and wife team, Ananias and Sapphira, who came to the church and lied about the things that they had. And, and, and they didn't have to do that. And you know what happened? They were slain by the Spirit. And guess what? They didn't get up. They died. So this whole subject of being slain in the Spirit and being slain by the Spirit, well, what we find in the Scripture, the only one example is that people are slain by the Spirit. One example, Acts chapter 5, and they didn't come up and tell you how God spoke to them. They died. I'm not so sure you want to be slain by the Spirit. But this is what we see. In terms of healing and all of these kinds of things, where we rent big stadiums, and we've seen people as they take off their jacket and they throw it at people who come in the line because people sincerely are coming for prayer and they're sincerely coming because they want to be healed. They're sincerely coming because they're really seeking God. And so they, they you know who I'm talking about. They take off your jacket and throw it at them, be healed. And people, oh, people fall out. I seen the guy just one time just. Like, throw his hands out in the audience. We're going to the left here. Bam! And people are like, ah! I mean, these are thousands of people. And try turning down your TV and watching that. It's almost funny if it wasn't so sad. It's like, bam! Ah! Bam! Ah! Over there! Bam! Ah! And the world looks at that and they mock. And quite honestly, they probably have every reason to. Because God doesn't act that way. God doesn't behave that way. Yes, God does heal people. Yes, the Bible has a lot to say about God healing people. God has many names in the Bible. We know several of them. In the Old Testament, God reveals himself as Jehovah Jireh, which means the Lord will provide. Jehovah Nisi, the Lord my banner. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord send peace. Jehovah to sit canoe, the Lord our righteousness. And then in Exodus chapter 15, verse 26, it says, If you diligently heed the word of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments and keep all of his statutes, I will put none of these diseases on you which I have brought on the Egyptians. For I am the Lord who heals you, Jehovah Rapha. I am the Lord. Who heals you? The Bible has a lot to say about promises to us as believers for healing. Deuteronomy 32, if you're taking notes, look it up in your own time. Deuteronomy 32, verse 39 and 40. Now see that I, even I, am he, and there is no God beside me. I kill and I make alive. I wound and I heal. 
Psalm 103. I love this verse. Verses 1 through 3. It's on the screen. Why don't you read it with me? Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases. Isaiah 53, verse 4 and 5. Again, read it with me. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. Yes, it is true. We serve a Messiah who heals people. Supernaturally heals people. But remember, it is the Messiah who heals. It is God who heals. Healing is not in the hand of man. Oh, well, Rodney, I got the gift of healing. Yeah, but even as you use and exercise your gift of healing to lay hands on an individual, believing God even for them, that God can heal them, guess what? If they are healed, it was still God who healed them. It wasn't your holy hands. Trust me, it was not your holy hands. Like, oh, these hands are full of anointing. No, they're not. <laughs> no, it's always God who heals. Always God who heals. And listen, if your hands are that full of anointing and it's you that heals, then in the name of compassion, would you go to Wake Western Wake Hospital, go over to Big Wake, go to any nursing home, walk in every room, lay hands on every patient and tell them to be healed and let them walk out of the hospital and save us all some money in Medicare and Medi-Cal and all these insurances? Would you, could you, please? Why? No, you can't because healing is not in the hand of man. Healing is in the hand of the Lord. And if God chooses, so chooses to sovereignly heal an individual, then to God be the glory, great things that he has done. And let's just face it, you guys, sometimes God chooses not to heal an individual. And this is the sovereignty of God. I don't know why. We are to believe God and to pray for healing. We're to trust God. The Bible says, if you're sick, come to the elders. Let us pray for you, and the prayer of faith will save the sick. We are to come and pray for healing and to be prayed for. If you're sick, you should be prayed for, and we should believe God. The prayer of faith, I believe God's able to heal you, heal you shall save the sick. But sometimes God chooses not to heal because he is God, because he is sovereign, and I don't know why. He just does, because he's God. You see, God does whatever God wants because he's God. And I say that and I tell you this because too often I think in the church and as a pastor, I have seen it many times where people have been praying for healing. Maybe you have friends after each service. Some people came to me and said, Rodney, you know, I got to get this tape because I've got friends who are in that situation. They've been praying for healing and they have even gone to a pastor and he's told them, hey, the reason why you're not healed is because you lack faith. That's awful. 
Because you look, you can have all the faith you want. And God still choose not to heal you. You want to talk about faith? Well, let's talk about Paul the Apostle. Now, herein, my peoples, is a man of faith. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. I would think that qualifies him as a man of faith. If you agree with that, say amen. All right, that's most of y'all. Oh, he was a man of faith. And it was even Paul who said, I've got this thorn in my flesh that is buffeting me. And so I prayed to God and I asked him three times to heal me. And God said, Paul, no. God said to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you because in your weakness, I am made strong. Now, in this case, God chose not to heal Paul, but instead to show Paul that, Paul, when you are weak, that's when I am able to be seen as strong in you. And if you've been a Christian for more than a month, you know this. When you are weak, that is the time when you continue on in the things of God, when you continue to serve God, when you continue to pray, when you continue to do what God has called you to do, when you are weak, that is when God is seen the most. Not when you're strong and you can do it. You've got the strength and you can do it. Yes, I can. I think I can. I know I can. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Yes, you can. Well, I guess you can when you're, when you're strong. But how about when you're weak? Can you? Paul said, God showed me in my weakness he is made strong. And then Paul went on to say, Oh, I get it. Now I'll glory in my infirmities that Christ might be glorified. Sometimes God chooses not to heal people. And if God so chooses not to heal a person, then God's going to give you grace and give you the strength that you need to get through every single day. And you won't leave this earth not one day sooner than God has already planned for you. Man, is that good news, especially when I'm flying on a plane. You know, when you're flying in the air, I'm like, okay, I'm not going to leave this earth one day sooner than God wants me to. Because It takes faith to get on a plane nowadays. But see, God knows. God is in complete control. He never loses control. And here's the good news of healing. Here's the good news of healing. Even if God were to heal you right now, of whatever it is that's bothering you. Here's the good news of healing. You are still going to someday get sick and die. I'm just trying to encourage your heart, my brothers and sisters. I'm just trying to make you feel nice. Someday you are going to get sick and die. But the reality is in that day when you die, the Bible teaches that God is going to give you a new body and you will never be in pain again. You will never have sorrow. You will never have cancer. You will never have sickness. In heaven, there is no weeping. And in this new body, there's no back pain. I don't know about you, but I look forward to my new body because I won't have back pain in my new body. And I'll be in heaven. And the Bible says that in heaven, the trees, have healing in them. We will be well forever and ever and ever. Sickness will not exist in heaven. When Jesus comes back, you'll be delivered from sin's penalty, from sin's power, and from sin's presence in your life. And I'm going to tell you, if that doesn't get you excited, nothing will. I see people get healed all the time. I'm like, yay. That's great. I'm glad you're healed. I'm praying for your healing. 
But I can get more excited when I think about the day that God gives us a new body. You know, it takes a lot of faith. You talk about faith. Well, brother, you don't have enough faith to be healed. Do you know it takes more faith to trust God and remain steadfast in your sickness than it does to be healed? I am amazed at how twisted people become. It takes more. If I'm sick, it takes more faith for me to say, God, I trust you. And no matter what, I will love you and I will serve you and I will not curse you no matter what. And I will love you. And God, if you heal me or you don't heal me, God, I will be your man. God, I will be your woman. I'll do what you've called me to do. That takes more faith than God. I mean, God to just heal you just like that. To continue in that. And I know some godly brothers and sisters who have been continuing in sickness and praying for healing for a very long time. And God has worked in them a character and a nature and a fiber that they might not have otherwise been able to attain. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.